Welcome, tennis fans, to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one Mats Vlander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So, take it away, AZ. And take it away, I will. Welcome, everybody, to KickServeRadio.com. We are part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Andy Zoden. We are joined by seven-time Grand Slam champion, international tennis hall of famer, and former world number one, Mats Vlander. We are joined by one of the greats in Texas Longhorn tennis history, a newly minted member of the Texas Longhorn Athletics Hall of Honor, Johnny Levine. Guys, lots to get to today. Federer's last stand, what a send-off, Laver Cup, Davis Cup, lots more to get to. But we start with the fact that we want to send our best out to the entire state of Florida. Because where there may not have been a dry eye in the house in London on the night that Roger Federer said goodbye, unfortunately, excuse me, there may not be a a dry spot of land in Florida when uh, Hurricane Ian gets done doing what it's doing. And I apologize. I am dealing with a little bit of remnants of COVID. So I'll turn it over to you, Mats Vlander. You agreed with me that this is one of the great send-offs, not just in tennis history, but maybe one of the greatest endings of a sports career that we've ever seen with Roger Federer last Friday in London at the Labor Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Andy, I hope you're uh, going to feel better. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, Johnny, nice to be with you too. I thought that that send-off was just unbelievable. I'm not sure how you can script it any better than that. There is no way that if Federer plays another ATP tournament and ends his career in Basel at the Swiss Indoors or at Wimbledon, that it will ever be anywhere close to what happened at the Labour Cup in the O2 Arena in London. So absolutely perfect to have Rafa there to have Novak there to have Bjorn Borg there of course uh Johnny Mack there and of course his parents and his wife but you know I I did an event up in um, uh, Evergreen Racket Club in in Bloomington uh Illinois over the weekend and I was trying to talk about what Federer meant to our sport I mean really what you realize is that here's a guy that is so emotional which we didn't really know we saw it sometimes but not that often he's so emotional he loves tennis so much he's just like a little kid i mean he literally to me when he's there out there taking everything in soaking everything in and emotionally being so involved it's like he's an 18 19 year old kid who's just starting out in the sport that's how much he loves it and then i realized that well federer easily the most beautiful tennis player that we ever had But he's the one that put tennis on the professional athletic map more than anybody because he was voted the best athlete in the world. Bjorn Borg was not. John McEnroe was never. I won three majors, guys, in 88. There was never even talk of me being anywhere close to being the greatest athlete in the world. Federer broke that glass ceiling. Uh, And to see him do that with the grace and the way he did it and to have him tap it off with being that emotional, to me, I just... I sunk in my chair. I was, my, my eyes were full of tears to see Rafa there being that emotional. I mean, it was just, it was so um, inspiring. I wouldn't say sad. I wouldn't say happy. I was just inspired of what he's done for our game and what he will be doing. Cause who's going to be the next captain of the Labor Cup. Do you guys think I'm guessing Federer is going to sit in that chair soon, especially now that Bjorn Borg was handed his first loss. 
Johnny, you've referred to the Labor Cup as as a glorified exhibition, and it's hard to argue that point. But when we see the level of of elegance that Federer has brought to the sport and has certainly brought to that event, it seems to legitimize the event. You see these guys playing full out. Even in Roger and Rafa's last match, there was a legitimacy about that match I know a lot of people think it would have been a perfect ending had Roger won it. Mats and I had talked, and we really feel like it was a better ending because of the fact that Jack Sock and Francis TFO showed the ultimate level of respect for Roger by trying as hard as they could to win that match. Ultimately, they did. What were your thoughts on this year's Labor Cup with everything that surrounded Roger Federer? Good to be with you guys, by the way. But um, as far as that goes, Andy, I, I believe the Labor Cup is what it is for one reason. And, um, you know, I've said this before, and that's Roger Federer. And I think that the the event itself, while, you know, the players are, are chosen, this isn't like a, you know, a, a regular ATP event where you can, anyone can enter. So given that, it, it gives the exhibition feel. However, the intensity, the interest, all the things that go along with creating a, a, an incredible event when you get some of the best players in the world is all driven by Roger Federer. I mean, the players know that it's Federer's event, in my opinion. It's all about respect. And I think that they know this is Roger Federer's event. And because of that, they want to perform to the best of their ability. They want to have as much fun out there as they can. They want to have that team atmosphere because they're seeing across the way how into it Roger Federer is. And the send-off that he got to have his peers, his two top rivals, actually three when you when you add Andy Murray, they didn't even flinch. I mean, we know that Rafael Nadal was, was hurting and has other things going on in his life with his wife being pregnant. But he made it a point to show up at that event because Roger Federer asked him to, and he wanted to be there for that send-off. And that just says it all to me. And and that one photo that I believe that lady took with Roger Federer's hand on Rafael Nadal's, with both of them in tears, I, I want to get that framed and, and hung in my house because I'll never – that was just all time. Great point, Johnny. And, and, and it was truly uh, a transcendent moment. Matt, I don't dispute whatsoever what Johnny says about this being all about Federer, particularly this year. But don't tell me that this did not mean a lot to Francis TFO and the rest of these players. Don't tell me that this did not mean a hell of a lot to John McEnroe to finally get over the top and win one of these damn things. And don't tell me that we've ever seen more affection and emotion displayed by Bjorn Borg. These guys are your peers and you're watching them. What were your thoughts, not just on Federer, but what you were seeing from the rest of the greats in tennis that were on hand? The only, really the only guy that was missing from the proceedings was you. I mean, you had Edberg there, you had Labor there, you had all these greats and then Borg. It would have been really nice to see you sitting next to Bjorn, but that wasn't the case. But talk about just the rest of these guys and what was going in your mind through their minds. Federer has has managed somehow to make tennis a very friendly environment within the pros. I mean, if you go back and compare the Jimmy Connors and the John McEnroe saga or the era, and then you throw Ivan Landel in there, and then Bjorn Borg, not that Bjorn Borg was an enemy to any of them, but because he chose not to say much, 
But the other three, certainly, you always heard about, oh, they don't like each other and whatever. And then you see this now and with John McEnroe being there. So it's like it's come full circle of a game that was really uh, for tough men and, and you kind of could behave any way you want. And we uh, uh, vocally said or they said that they don't like each other. And, and, and Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe used to walk off the court when I was playing the senior tour in certain small clubs around the country uh, in the, in the mid eight, end of the 90s, early 2000. Like one guy would say, you know what? You're such a jerk. I'm leaving. And they were, a tournament director would have to. But that doesn't happen with Roger Federer. So he's, again, broken the, the ceiling of we're going to be competitors, like full-on, absolute uh, gladiators out there. But we're going to treat each other with respect. So I think, again, the whole event was so perfect because Francis Tiafo became the hero. Um, of course, Jack Sock did his bit in that doubles. Um, Rafa showed nerves like I haven't seen him show nerves in a tennis match in I don't know since when uh, and Federer was the one who was fired up he was smiling a bit he was laughing a bit and then you nearly looked like he was going to start crying in the middle of that last service uh, tiebreaker when he served for the match it was just so perfect and I put it down to again Federer Federer has done something to our sport where we celebrate the sport itself the sport's bigger than any player that's ever existed. And the family of all of us, you guys included, is a very tight-knit family where we are preserving our game. We have finally figured out it's about preserving this great game of ours because it brings people like Federer, like Billie Jean King, like Arthur Ashe, like you two, people that really care about life and care about tennis and each other. And that's what Federer, he's the perfect example of that to me. Hard to put a better exclamation point on it than that. So we'll go to break now. But when we come back, there's lots more to get to. The United States is going to have their hands full in November when they take on the Italians in Davis Cup. There's also a potential, call it a revenge exhibition that is pending that we want to talk about. Johnny, you've got some great results from San Diego. So there's a lot more going on than just the Labor Cup. So stick with us. You're listening to KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Back right after this. AZ here, kickserveradio.com, and I'm joined by Paul Strata, and he is the developer of iPlayMeToo.com. Paul, it's a real-world tennis app for real-life scenarios. Tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Andy. Yeah, so here at iPlayMeToo, we basically built the world's most useful tennis app for the players and for the club pros. And I think if you'd ask most players at clubs, they'd like to play more if it were easy to get games, to enter tournaments, play in ladders. So we've basically digitized all of the scheduling headache and all of the tournament and competition setup. So it's as easy as ordering an Uber and people can focus on playing and not trying to schedule and get a game in. An advantage that you've got in the market from what I've seen is in the presentation of the results, people like seeing their name and lights. Talk a little bit about that side of the site. Clubs can run all kinds of tournaments and ladders and round robins and the players can enter their own scores right there from their app. The players don't have to text their score to the club pro. They can actually enter it in their app. 
The app is I Play Me Too. I Play Me, the number two dot com. The developer is Paul Strata. Paul, thank you so much. And uh, and best of luck with I Play Me Too dot com. All of us that have used it have enjoyed it very much and appreciate the hard work that you have put into it. You bet, Andy. Thanks so much. And anyone who has any questions, they can contact us at iplayme2.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, before we get back to the show, I want to take just a moment in my role as president of the Intermountain Division of the USPTA to congratulate John Embry, Fred Viancos, and the rest of the national office in Orlando with USPTA, as well as Rich Slovaka, who is president of the national board, as well as the rest of the national board members in congratulating you guys on putting on such a great USPTA World Tennis Teachers Conference in New Orleans, September 19th through 24th. Phenomenal speakers and presentations. It was highlighted by the USPTA Hall of Fame inductions of doctors Jack Groppel and Jim Lair. Well-deserved They have been stalwarts in our industry for so many years, and to see those two who are so close and have worked so closely together to help all of us help our students with their physical and mental and emotional well-being, uh, it was a beautiful thing to watch, and they both had plenty of beautiful things to say. So congratulations to Dr. Lair and Dr. Groppel, and congratulations to all of the aforementioned on doing such a great job with the USPTA World Tennis Teachers Conference in New Orleans in September. And since, as we know, the USPTA National Headquarters are uh, in Orlando at Lake Nona, we have you all in our thoughts even more so with what is going on right now uh, with the hurricane that you all are uh, in the midst of experiencing. And we want to wish you guys all the very best in health with all of that. Welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Matt's Vlander, Johnny Levine. I'm Andy Zoden. Johnny, Matt's is going off on this soliloquy about how friendly Roger Federer has made tennis. And there's no disputing the fact that the levels of respect and friendship that were on display at the Labor Cup were palpable. And it was a beautiful way to celebrate the end of Roger Federer's career because Roger Federer's career was emblematic of everything that Matt's described the, the, the warrior level of play between the lines and then the friendship off the court. And those guys will be friends forever. That being said, we have had Stefanos Tsitsipas issue a challenge to Nick Kyrgios to come to Costa Navarino, which is one of the most spectacular beaches and beach towns on the coast of Greece, to come play what he has called a revenge match. They played a couple of times this past year, most notably at Wimbledon, and both times it was very contentious, somewhat counter to what we saw at the Labor Cup with all of these guys being friendly, this big tennis love fest. 
And now we're going back even further back to the days where we saw challenge matches between Jimmy Connors and John Newcomb, Jimmy Connors and Rod Laver, pretty much Jimmy Connors and everybody because nobody liked Jimmy Connors back in those days. But this brings a level of interest and intrigue that I think tennis has missed because these are two guys that are kind of going at this from a they don't like each other perspective. What are your thoughts on this Tsitsipas Kyrgios match on the coast of Greece that Kyrgios has agreed. He's like, let's do it. How much, when, the whole deal. Well, that would be quite a thing to witness. I think that would be a lot of fun to to watch that match. And I think that Tsitsipas is, uh, it was interesting that he came up with this idea. I don't know if it was his idea. This could be a marketing ploy. And, and boy, would it sell a lot of tickets because you got two great entertainers, great looking guys that uh, would put on quite a show. And they really did go at it. I mean, Kyrgios has two wins, the last two wins over Sitsipas this summer. He beat him on grass twice, and we knew the fireworks came out um, at Wimbledon. And um, I think Sitsipas said some things that really might have been a little below the belt thereafter about the bullying and different things, but that's how he felt. And and now, um, you know, Kyrgios responded at that time, and it's, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think it will be an entertaining match if it does happen. Kyrgios has said he wants to take Tsitsipas on and, and come to Greece to play that that match. I think it would sell a lot of tickets, and I think that's what this could end up being all about. Matt, when you look at the sports of boxing and MMA and some of these sports where these guys, you know, getting after each other and all of the pre-match hype about if I see this guy in the street, here's what I would do to him. And what some of the things that Mike Tyson used to say that we probably can't even repeat on this show. But, you know, you had some of that in tennis with Connors and McEnroe and Lendl and some of the people that you named. You didn't have that with Borg which was maybe why he wasn't involved in any of these high-profile exhibitions. Because, like you said, who didn't like Bjorn Borg? But this actually does give tennis an element of interest and intrigue that maybe goes beyond the casual tennis fan because they like seeing that that potential vibe of, these guys might actually just cross the net and, and throw down if we're not careful. What are your thoughts on Kyrgios and Sissipas taking this on? I think it's good for tennis. I think it's great for tennis. I, I mean, I think it'll be really hard to recreate the intensity and the emotional level that that uh, they were both at on court number one at Wimbledon, full house, uh, where clearly Nick Curious found a way to to get into uh, Tsitsipas's kitchen, so to speak. Uh, but Tsitsipas, I mean, can they recreate that on a be- in a beautiful beach town in Greece? Maybe not. But I go back to when we had the uh, rivalry between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, if you guys remember that there, there was, there, they were not friends. They were open about it. And then eventually they, they, they became kind of friendly and they played together in either the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. Uh, and, and I think that it's great to have these rivalries that, that boil over uh, between two. And somebody said it actually, and I'm not sure, and I'm not trying to stereotype or um, any, in any way, but they said, you know what, when you have two Greek alpha males, Greek gods, obviously we know about the, the alpha male of a lion in the jungle. I mean, the strongest survive. And, and Nikurus has a Greek heritage. Of course, Stefano Tsitsipas is Greek. So it was just a, a sort of a romantic way of where these guys were going crazy. So I think that they took tennis to a different level at Wimbledon, which is great. It made the front page of, of, of news medias and newspapers and whatever. And now 
I'm not saying that they're going to try and become friends because I don't necessarily think that, that that's going to happen or that they want to, but kind of do it in a more friendlier manner and maybe laugh about it. So I like that they're trying to do that, do something fun. So I think that anything that brings tennis to the forefront in terms of media um, hype is, is great, Andy. I'd love to watch it. I'd love to see how they handle that because th- these guys have played a lot of exhibitions, but they're not that uh, experienced in the situation like a Roger Federer is. He knows how to play every sing- single situation, whether it's exhibition or not. Remember Nadal and Federer in Cape Town, South Africa, where they had more than 50,000 people come and watch them, and they were kind of trying to be serious. It means nothing. So they have set the tone. I remember, Johnny, back at Indian Wells when Pete Sampras teamed with Roger Federer against Andre Agassi and Rafael Nadal, and it created one of the most uncomfortable, one of the most awkward vibes we have ever seen on a tennis court, which was when Andre starts joking with Pete about, you know, you, you never tip anybody, and he pulls his, you know, his, 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 his pockets out of his shorts, and then, uh, you know, Pete buzzes the tower with a serve and goes right by Andre's forehead when he was actually serving to Rafa, I believe. And that was uncomfortable because it was unexpected. With Kyrgios and Tsitsipas, I think because we know that this is set up to be kind of that boxing feel that we're almost going to be looking for the contentiousness that John McEnroe used to bring to the court when he was in his prime um and and i'd like to talk about that a little bit later in the show that that new McEnroe documentary that's out because that was unbelievable but i think part of it is the expectation and i'll give you the last word on this Tsitsipas curios thing do you think we're going to see anything that rivals the uncomfortableness that we saw in the hit for haiti with that doubles match that i just mentioned yeah i don't know andy i mean they actually were friendly a while back in, in 2018 or 19, it was it was noted that uh, Kyrgios actually wanted to play doubles with Sitsipas. So okay. there was there was a friendship back then. And I think that, you know, with Sitsipas being so much higher ranked than than Kyrgios, I think, you know, the expectations on him that he should be beating Kyrgios got to him. And, um, you know, the pure level of play on grass that Kyrgios exuded there um, was just too good. And, and, and so I think it, you know, it frustrated since it passed. And I think that, you know, there was probably some talk about, you know, the coaching aspect and things like that, that he might've been accused of it. Ah, that's true. Yeah. And who knows really what sparked it, but yeah. And, and so I, I don't know, I kind of tend to think that, um, this has been hyped up a little bit, this revenge match. I think it's great for tennis. I do. Um, I think it would be a fun match to watch. But I agree with Matt. I don't know that the fireworks can can be what they would be in a, in a match with, you know, real money and real points and, and, and that kind of thing on the line. It, it still would be fantastic to watch because you got two great players. I don't know how intense it's going to be when we know that as soon as the thing is over, we've got beaches, we've got nightclubs, we've got women, we've got boats, we've got fun. I think we know what this is all about. Any of us that were ever young tennis pros, which all three of us were, we know exactly what this is about, but they're going to have fun. Now, as far as the Mackinac documentary, can we get into that, Matt? Have you seen it yet? I have heard and seen a little bit. Okay, so from what you have seen, what are your thoughts on that whole show i guess you probably need to see it all before we go there right well i mean i could just say this and i think that john McEnroe is still uh in a little bit of um uh let's see denial would be the wrong word to use 
because I'm not I'm not English speaking perfectly. Uh, but there is something there where he's trying to explain a little bit of why did he come out the way he did on the tennis court and where did the frustrations come and how do you show your frustrations and always show that you're strong and and sort of meet adversity with a bit of anger and all that. So I think it's good. It's healthy. He's not like that anymore. Uh, and what I take out of that uh, documentary is that, again, and I, and I hate to generalize, but it's what our sport tends to do to people and it's what our sport hopes to do to someone like Nick Curious which is if we steer them in the right on the right path uh, and realize that listen we're, we're John you're forgiven you're forgiven for anything you cost i'm sure some chair umpires might might disagree but I, I don't think so either i think because he's in the game for so long um you know it's just a path that he had to take to get to the top and um and it wasn't that friendly all the time it wasn't that friendly to his opponents all the time, even though he was one of the greatest competitors. I was asked last weekend who my two worst or best matches or competitors were. And I said, well, they're actually the two, the same people. It's John McEnroe and Jimmy Connors. I mean, yeah. they were the worst behaved and they were the ones I preferred to play against because they showed that competitiveness that, that other players had inside them, but didn't show on the outside. So I think it's just, again, you know, John McEnroe. Yeah, we deserve to know. We need to know what happened. Why did it, why did he do what he did? I don't think it's necessary that kids come out and behave the way he did on, in certain situations. Um, but so we learn from his lesson and he's trying to share his experience so that we can all learn from it. I hope Nick Curious watches it. That's for sure. I thought it was extraordinary. I thought it was incredibly revealing. I thought that uh, Mac, you know, really came clean on a lot of things with regard to relationships and his relationships with his kids and what he has learned from them. And I think one of the most important things as we grow older, and certainly you two guys know more about this than I do, although I'm around a lot of juniors on a daily basis, is that if we get to a point where we don't realize that we are going to learn more from the generation that's coming up behind us than oftentimes we have to teach them, then I think we're missing a boat. And Matt definitely shows that side where he's, he's given it up to his kids to say, you know, you guys need to show me a better way. And, uh, and he does that. And it was really a beautiful thing to watch the way things evolved between he and his father for better or for worse and the love that he showed for his mother. And it was really a, a neat story. I've watched it a couple of times and, and it, it never, it never gets old. All right, guys, when we come back, let's talk. Davis Cup, because the Americans will certainly have their hands full on November 24th. Let's talk about San Diego, where we had a guy win his first ATP Tour title in his hometown, and that was really cool. Uh, so we'll get to both of those things when we come back. You're listening to KickServeRadio.com with Matt's Johnny and AZ. We're part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and we're back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi guys, Sarah Z here with a Kick Serve Quick Serve with my friend and nutrition guru, Courtney Ward with Body Fuse. Courtney, as we ladies start to get, oh, shall I say, more advanced or more experienced in our life, our fitness levels take a hit if we're not careful, don't they? 
You know, Sarah, they do, unfortunately. And I highly suggest supporting your activities at every stage pre-workout, intra-workout, and post-workout. So you want to think about a pre-workout. We have a product called Endgame, and that basically will allow you to increase your energy and focus during your workout. And then intra-workout is almost just as critical. So we have branched-chain amino acids called BCAA311, and that's a perfect product to allow your body to almost refuel while you're working out. It's a super hydrator as well as a muscle recovery while you're working out. And then finally, protein is critical post-workout and body fuse lean protein is one of the highest quality proteins on the market. Very, very effective, a slow, long burn, six to eight hours after ingestion and after that workout. So your energy, you're not, you're not going to crash and your energy continues. You're feeding your muscles and you just feel Great. So with these three elements, pre, intra, and post-workout, you're really going to support yourself at all stages in any activities, in intense workouts, tennis matches, body strength conditionings, uh, sessions, etc. Fantastic. And one more time, Body Fuse. BodyFuseUSA.com. Well, I'm Sarah Z. She's Courtney with Body Fuse. And now back to more tennis talk with the Kickserve Radio Boys. Welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com. Final segment, Matt. We've talked, <clears throat> excuse me, at length about the Labor Cup, and now it's time to turn our attention toward the Davis Cup. And quite honestly, I'm not sure which one of those two cups has more intrigue and more interest and is followed more by tennis fans. But be it as it may, the Americans have qualified for the final eight. They will play on November 24th, and by virtue of the fact that they finished second in their group that means they play a group winner i'm not sure there's a hotter team out there than the italians i don't know what the teams are comprised of but if i had to guess today i would say you're going to see francis tfo and taylor fritz against yannick sinner and matteo berrettini in the singles matches would be my guess assuming all are healthy you'll see jack sock and rajiv ram in the doubles which maybe is where the americans are in an advantage against i have no idea who for the italians How do you size up United States versus Italy in Davis Cup November 24th? Yeah, I think that they have a good chance. I actually watched that whole uh, week of Davis Cup matches from uh, from four different places in Europe um, where they had four teams in each in each place. Uh, the Americans were playing in Glasgow, of course. And, and I was actually amazed at the level of intensity that all the players brought, even not just the British team that played at home in Glasgow, Scotland, of course, but but the Americans with Taylor Fritz uh, and Tommy Paul Uh, Bob Bryan was the captain, which I re- I didn't realize um, that Marty Fish wasn't able to go. So they did a great. So for for a, I watched them all, and the Tennis Channel did a great great job by going from interesting matches in Hamburg, Germany, uh, between um, between Germany and uh, and Belgium it was an unbelievable match. Uh, there that I watched. So I think they everybody brought it. Sweden did really well, even though it didn't qualify. In America, you know, you come from the U.S. Open. 
And Taylor Fritz must have been slightly disappointed with the U.S. Open. And, and in general, um, Francis Tiafoe was the one that succeeded, but he wasn't part of the team. So was it a good U.S. Open for Americans? Pretty good, I would say. And then they go to Glasgow and they just turn into a team. And it's just four guys from this huge country with Bob Ronnie so fired up. And they somehow qualify in a really tough group uh, with, with Holland, who won the group. Great Britain with Andy Murray, Dan Evans, Cam Norrie did not qualify, which was unbelievable. Wow. And then, of course, Americans. So Italy is tough, but uh, somehow momentum seems to be somewhat with the Americans here with Francis Tiafo kind of breaking through and taking that generation of Taylor Fritz, Tommy Paul, Raleigh Opelka, and even maybe even bringing along Jack Sock in a certain way. It seems like something is going on. We're going to talk about it. Brandon Nakashima, Marcus Giron. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Americans that are knocking on the door right now. They're doing, they're just taking it a step further. I know you're going to talk about San Diego, but they're taking it just one step further. And another step further would be to beat Italy in Davis Cup. And now we're in the semifinals. So I think that it's, uh, um, I was amazed at the intensity that every player in every single match right after the U.S. Open. I don't know what it is, if it's Carlos Alcaraz or if the U.S. Open was such a huge success for players that were part of it because you watch that tournament when you're out of it and then you see the the scenes when Alcaraz is playing singles. You take pride in it and you actually um, sort of feel like, okay, I'm part of this movement. There's a movement going on in men's tennis that I'm really excited about because of the younger generation finally breaking through and Americans are a big part of it. And Johnny, Matt's mentioned it. San Diego, he mentioned Brandon Nakashima and Carlos or, uh, and uh, uh, Marco Giron, and they played in the finals of San Diego. And not only is that Brandon's hometown, but, you know, Giron went to college not too far down the road at UCLA. So that was kind of a kind of a homecoming for both of those guys and to play in that final. And we've seen Nakashima have a great year. We saw him take a set off of Kyrgios and have a good run at Wimbledon. We saw him have another nice run. I remember, I believe at the U S open, and then he finally breaks through and wins uh, in San Diego. Talk about the tournament. No, it was a great tournament. And uh, Ryan Redondo heads that tournament up as the, I believe the tournament director. And he's so involved in tennis in that community. And he was a former college coach and player and, um, boy, does he promote tennis and, and throughout the Southern California area, the Southern California Tennis Foundation is involved in the tournament. Kudos to those guys for putting on such a great event at the Barnes Tennis Center. And Brandon Nakashima had, had, had grew up playing at that facility. Um, he actually played Zachary Spida, who also is from San Diego, a two-time Kalamazoo champion trying to, to make his way on the tour. And those guys ended up playing. He got a wild card. Obviously, Nakashima was straight in. And those guys played in the first round. So that was a lot of fun to see. And and, and Svita played him tight. It was a tough match. Um, you know, Nakashima got through it and ended up, you know, playing great throughout the event and, and held his nerves and had his family and friends and big support group out there. Uh, ended up playing Jerome in, in in the finals, who is a former you know 2014 NCAA champion from UCLA, like you said, just down the street. And they battled, and Nakashima's just a you know has has a bit of a bigger game, got a bigger serve, and came through. And what a win for Nakashima! He's now back, I think, uh, in the top 50s at 48. Jerome ends up at 53. You've got 13 Americans right now in the top 100. They're all playing great tennis, and it's just so promising 
to see the future of American tennis right now. Mats, we've got a lot of time between now and the end of the year to look forward to 23 and this next generation, which we are finding to be very, very promising. But let's just close out where we started off. What can we expect to see, not just from Roger Federer in terms of his involvement with the sport of tennis, because Roger may be stepping away from playing professionally, but my suspicion is we've not seen the last of him. At least that's my hope. But not only with Federer on a go forward, but what can we expect to see in 23 with Rafael Nadal and some of the well-documented issues that he's dealing with currently and potentially in the in the not-too-distant future, but also uh, Novak Djokovic and what are expectations for him in the coming year? The big three, what do you see? Well, I think Roger will stay involved in tennis. I really do. I think that he's too um, uh, emotionally invested um, and I think that he's a citizen of the world and uh, he does a lot of charitable work, of course, with with building schools in Africa uh, and he's involved in, in many, many different ways. But I still think he's going to come back to the heart of, of what and he said it himself so beautifully on the court that everything he has, uh, including his his wife, Mirka, and his four kids, it's, it's come through tennis. And he was very good at pointing that out. It's, it's through tennis. And I don't think Roger Federer will ever give up uh, the responsibility that I think he, he feels he has towards the sport because of what it's given him. So uh, we, he has his management company. I believe they're still managing players like Coco Goff. Uh, and, uh, and I think that he's going to be around. I think we'll see Roger Federer in a suit and tie at places. Uh, definitely at Wimbledon, which is going to be a really, a really classic look for sure. He'd be sitting there next to Bjorn Borg and Stefan Edberg in the, in the Royal stands. That'd be a cool look. I, I would even think that if, if sponsors come up, I think he'd be playing in the senior tour at some point. And I'm actually uh, very excited because I think that the ATP champions tour um, can be revived with the help of someone like Roger Federer. And, and they're trying out there and they have a few events, but we haven't really had a, a poster uh, name, so to speak, in the last sort of few years. Of course, Tommy Haas is great. David Ferrer is great. Um, James Blake is unbelievable. But they haven't had someone like Roger Federer put put his name on posters and sell those tickets that needed. So that I feel like he might step in there. Um, and then I think Rafa Nadal. For me, Rafa Nadal. Yes. He uh, he's ahead of Federer. Is he going to be the greatest of all time? I think Federer again showed that. This race that we're talking about is nearly becoming insignificant to me because of the the uh, the um, vaccination problems that Novak Djokovic has, the injuries that Rafa Nadal has, the age that finally caught up to Roger Federer. Now Rafa's future, it might have something to do with how good Carlos Alcaraz will be in 2023, Yannick Sinner in 2023. I mean, does Rafa feel like he has a chance against these guys? I don't know. They're playing at a different pace. They're playing really fast. Mentally, they're not even close to uh, the same strength as Rafa, Novak, or Roger. But physically, they're most probably breaking through, again, that glass ceiling of what you can do on a tennis court with a tennis ball. And Rafa will be the first to understand, whoa, hold on a second. This might be a little bit too fast for me. How much fun is it for him to go out there and and start maybe losing to other 19, 20-year-olds out there? And then, of course, you have a Spanish number one in the world, and it's not him. I don't know how he will take that. I think he will fight on as long as his body can handle it. Of course, with his wife and the pregnancy there, I mean, that's got to take, um, that, that's got to be the most important part of his life, obviously. So who knows? I'm not looking at the history of our sport anymore in terms of the race. I'm looking to the future and uh, it's in a very healthy state. The young guys have finally arrived to me and they're kind of 
trying to take the, the crown away from now Rafa and Novak. And, and that's what I want to see. Always well said by Matt Vlander. I will close out by saying, Johnny Levine, congratulations. Uh, since we last spoke on the show, you have, as I mentioned at the top of the show, been inducted into the Texas Longhorn Athletics Hall of Honor. And that was a beautiful ceremony. You went in alongside the likes of Kevin Durant and Sam Acho and lots of great athletes. And I have become friends with BJ Bedford, who's a swimmer that lives in Fort Collins, uh, Colorado, uh, as, as it would uh, happen. And I'm going to be getting together with her. But what was cool about that, Johnny, was I think we all became bigger fans of Kevin Durant. I think we all went into it maybe questioning, you know, what we've seen in the media. And and I'll let you have the last word on that. But I go into the 2022-2023 NBA season as a bigger Kevin Durant fan because of how enduring, excuse me, endearing I found him to be at that ceremony. He seemed very genuine. A couple tears came to his eyes. What were your thoughts? Yeah, that was uh, – I appreciate it, Andy, and, and- – um, you know, that was really something to see, you know, um, in his Q and a with the moderator, um, you know, they asked him, you know, what was it about UT that, that made the decision for you to go there? And, and he talked about, um, you know, the assistant coach that had gotten to know him from a very young age, um, you know, playing the, uh, the youth basketball and, and it was that relationship that they formed that um, in the end was what what steered him to UT and then coming over, you know, the bond that he had with the teammates and the, and the culture on the team and the, and the camaraderie that he had. And that was kind of a theme for for most of the other athletes. And you talk about B.J. Bedford, you know, former Olympic gold medalist and Sam Ocho and let's not let's not forget to mention Ann Grosbeck another tennis player who was great up there yeah, with you yeah but but the theme was the 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 camaraderie and the the relationships that were formed while they were playing while they were competing at UT and of course Kevin Durant did get choked up there when he talked about um you know those relationships and it was really really neat to see that a guy at that level could come back and University of Texas meant so much to him. That was really special, and I think everyone was touched by it. I like the fact that he said, you know, at first when I was getting recruited, I thought Texas was on the West Coast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then he said, he said, you know, he said it felt like a family, and it felt like it was just very relaxed, and I liked the atmosphere. But the reality is, once I walked up and down Sixth Street, it was over. <laughs> and I think we all got a big kick out of those two things. So, uh, very enjoyable ceremony, and very well deserved for you, Johnny. We were all so proud, all of your teammates, all of the people involved with the tennis program there, and to, to see th- that you got Coach Snyder choked up, and that your father was able to be there, and your family all your boys, your wife, their girlfriends, and the uh, the support group that you had, your former teammates. Uh, it showed a lot about what people think of you and what our program thinks of you, and uh, it was really a, a tremendous night. So, again, congratulations. Matt, thanks so much for all of your insights on Labor Cup and everything else that you bring to the table, and we look forward to uh, many more shows between now and the end of the year. You're listening. You've been listening to another kickserveradio.com part of the tennis channel podcast network az signing off and enjoy the fall season everybody